0: This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, folks, once again, you've got the DLR Cast, the podcast by and for fans of the Diamond One, Diamond David Lee Roth. As always, I'm Steve, along with my good friend and co host here in all things Bon Vivant. I'm not even sure what that means, Darren <laughs> Paltrowitz. Darren, we're back at episode number 70 something here at the DLR Cast. We're rolling along
1: and. Here we go. How are you? I'm fine. I'm trying to think. Bon vivant. Bon usually means like good. Uh, that's kind of a what do they say? Like a, a cognate in different languages because bueno in Spanish, uh, buono in Italian. So, so Bon would be good. Vivant, probably VIV, it's probably a live or a life thing. Something I think so good living.
0: I I think so. Something like that. There's a there's at least a 17 and a half percent chance I'm going to mangle or completely screw up some particular word all the time. Is it hyperbole or hyperbole? I'm not even sure sometimes.
1: Wow. That I think that is something (laughs) Roth would have said in an interview. (laughs) 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 I think uh, it goes back to you should be scripting some of those old late 80s, early 90s things like is it blank or is it blank? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But <laughs> <the old laughs> Dave stuff. But
0: I'm, I'm, I'm throwing, I'm throwing in the shoes.
1: What? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the, the proverbial shoes. We'll, we'll get to. I mean, this is one of those episodes where, um, like, there's little bits of news. There's not a monster, monster thing happening in the Dave world on the surface. Behind the scenes, there's stuff happening right now. But I mean, yeah, I.
0: I got to say, within the time of this recording, this one, we put our last episode out barely a week ago. Uh, yet another song from the the another Van Halen cover song, as I like to call it, from the, yeah. the May set the live studio Henson May sessions came out. Yeah. You really got me, which at least for you and I. And I don't think I'm stepping on your toes by saying we each had the same reaction. It was. eh. I mean, I was when when the John five tracks came out, I immediately like pulled it up on my phone. I think I was outside. I'm like, yeah, I'll check this out a bit. I mean, when the John five stuff came out, I'm like, oh, shit, we're going to be talking about this on next episode. I like this really blends in well with the next song or this song. And I'm thinking about all the stuff with John five and and what may be or what isn't or what may still be or what may not be from whatever original music may be done or not. But with this stuff. All right. Well, I guess this is what we're getting for now. We're getting another track. I think a Van Halen cover.
1: Yeah, a, a cover, a, a cover of a cover. Because in this case, it's yes. a cover of the Van Halen cover of the <laughs> yes. King Kong. So, I think that Dave sings okay on it. I think it's still the same. The drum tones. I'm not talking about the performance. The performance by Francis is great. The performance by by Ryan is great. The performance by Al is great. The mix and the sounds that they're choosing, uh, I don't know what they're doing.
0: You know, I was thinking today, what crossed my mind today, and I was listening to some of it, I was listening to You Really Got Me the other day, and I was thinking about this episode and thinking about the sounds, and one of my pet peeves with, I shouldn't say pet peeves, but one of my things with the DLR cast record, is it just a DLR cast, the DLR band record? Right. It sounds to my ears, what essentially what it was a quick hit recording real fast and i hate to use the words low budget but guess what i just did i mean sonically if the stuff on the dlr band sounded was produced by bob rock can you imagine or somebody more contemporary or as opposed to what was kind of a one-off i got these songs hitting quick and that i love the dlr band record Well, that's what reminds me of this. It's just and it's in a real expensive studio. And I'm not I'm not an audiophile enough to say, is it the mix? Is it the man? What is it? It's just it doesn't have a big drum sound which those songs demand it matching with the guitars. Um, And the playing is fine. It's of course it is. It's uh, and I found that I love I really pay attention to the ending for ver- ends of the yes. the end of, the, of these teams. songs because there's a little curveball. There's something different in there. And Dave is doing the occasional different things based, I think, more on what his vocals will allow compared to the original one, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to reinvent something because the arrangements aren't changing. The tempos aren't changing. They're pretty much straight up to the originals.
1: Yeah. So, that's what we got. But an advancement is that the first four songs are now on Spotify. Previously there were just YouTube deals. Yes,
0: they are.
1: Now they're on Spotify. So I guess he's doing something conventional of some sort. (laughs) He's actually trying to monetize it efficiently by, by doing that for what it's worth. And, you, you always have to think about it just because we know about it, just because the people who follow social media know about it. That doesn't mean your average listener to classic rock radio has any idea that these re-records have been coming out, especially if it's just on YouTube.
0: Exactly. I wonder what the delay was too, between YouTube and the other services.
1: There, there's zero. Del- As somebody posts YouTube content daily, and then, as somebody who has posted content on Spotify, you could have something on Spotify same day. You could have, something on Spotify you can. within the hour if you want. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, right. I,
0: I mean, so I know, I know from a logistics standpoint, a distribution standpoint, there was no reason for the delay. I'm just thinking, if you're gonna, if you're able to post on YouTube and you own the copyrights, that allow you to, may is there some sort of weird little thing in a contract somewhere, something that says you can't put it out to the DSPs. Do you you get what I'm saying? I mean, well, you only have the right to put this out on YouTube, not iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, Tidal, whatever the, iTunes. You know what I mean?
1: Do you want to to know what I think it is? Putting on my my music industry psychologist hat here. (laughs) Okay. When you're in the artist management team and you're doing direct uploads, there are these things called ISRC codes that you have to uh, generate And if you didn't know what you were doing, you, you could be paralyzed with fear of, oh, we have to put it in the recording. How are we going to do it? How are we going to get it mastered? And the reality is you make up your own ISRC codes and you put it on one or two forms and then everyone else magically knows what those codes are. And a lot of people I've seen delays mastering or delay posting stuff because they didn't have the ISRC codes, which is like they didn't pay the 75 bucks or whatever it was to the underlying hmm. organization.
0: It's been a, it's been a long time since I had to worry about ISRC codes, but in a, that could make sense. That is, that is a part of the whole process
1: for, for all we know, somebody at Dave H, HQ forgot the password, and never thought to log in again to generate their internal ISRC codes on their Google Doc. And it was just one Google Doc delay, and that's why it took four weeks. It it could be. You never know. You never know if they're good with passwords at at Dave HQ. They could have. (laughs) I wrote it down right here. (laughs) God damn it. it Behind his accountant's computer.
0: There's all these post-it notes all over the monitor of the desk. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's like, Dave, what did Dave want to do at Thursday, 2 p.m.? And they wrote it down and they just put it on a bulletin board. And uh, look, whatever it is, at least it's out. At least it's more people are going to hear it if they want to hear it. But I sure hope that we're not getting 14 of these in total. (laughs) That would be bad.
0: I know. Well, going on, some more non-news that made a little bit of news. John Five left Rob Zombie's band. It was well, has, with no has been we,
1: confirmed. I just thought it was that people didn't see him on stage and went. Well, he, oh, he's not following him on social media. Oh, he's not on stage. He's out of the band. I never saw a statement.
0: Oh, this he? is true. Okay, yeah, that's true. It, there was no official announcement, yeah. but of course, the all of a sudden, his original Zombie's original guitarist, Mike Riggs, showed up on stage with John Five nowhere around uh, at the aftershock festival in California, and so yeah. then it went. This must mean. That John five left the band, no official response from either zombie or, or, or John five, but the other day. And so, but right after that, all these rumors started circulating that John five was going to join Motley crew and no remark from John five. And then the other day he posted a picture of him and an old picture of him with Mick Mars somewhere. And Mm -hmm. one fan asked directly if he was joining the crew, I guess. And he simply responded, no, just a rumor. So a comment on a social media post is all we have right now. As far as is he joining Motley Crue? Uh,
1: We have a lot more than that. John five at his gigs in the past two months has been covering Motley Crue songs in full.
0: Oh, not part of the kind of the riff thing that he does towards the end. Huh?
1: He did the whole home sweet home. I believe I saw he did a whole kickstart my heart thing and he stopped home sweet home in the middle of it and goes, wait, 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 let me change guitars and so we can send this to Nikki. So uh, are you serious? Totally serious about all this. So I just read this as uh, he's practicing the songs, playing them live because I'm sure he's heard all these songs thousands of times and learned them as a teenager, but actually playing them in front of an audience is a different story.
0: Yeah, I was thinking too. I'm I love John Five. I'm a big John Five fan. I love the solo stuff. Love the DLR. Yeah. The DLR band album. I mean, I love what he's done with Zombie through the years. I love it. I love the fact the guy can write with just about anybody. And he wrote songs for the co-wrote songs with Steve Perry, for God's sakes. Yeah. And so I am, I really would love to hear what he might bring to the table with Motley Crue. However, I don't necessarily want or need that as a fan. Do you know what I'm saying? I'd rather have him be with Dave. I'd rather have him do anything, preferably new music with Dave. I'd rather see him do another solo album, which I'm sure he will be doing. I'd rather see him in another band in a really hot band situation, yeah. uh, something new. So I guess it's just as, as with everything, it's going to be wait and see and wait some more. With
1: Motley Crue. Um, I understand for him, it would be a lot of money. You know, he no, know he wouldn't be an equal pay member. He would be a salaried hired gun. It'd be great exposure for him and live out some childhood dreams. But Vince Neil is only capable of singing the same 12 to 15 songs over and over and over and over again. And I can't imagine how creatively stifling that that will be. To know, okay, so we're going to do Girls, 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 Shout at the Devil, Dr. Feel Good, Kickstart My Heart. When you see Vince Neal live, which I've done a few times, he's ranged from being tolerable to terrible. Um, he is doing, he, I don't think he does one song that came out after 1995. Like for a while he was doing You're Invited But Your Friend Can't Come. But it's Weren't un- they doing
0: Saints of Los Angeles or something from that record?
1: Oh, uh, Vince Solo. I'm I'm talking about Vince Solo. No, but uh, you're talking about Motley. Motley right. usually throws in one or two new, like whatever the new best of compilation song is. So for a while they did "All Bad Things Must Come to an End." Another thing they did "Saints of Los Angeles," and another that
0: thing, was it, "Saints of Los Angeles." Right?
1: "Hell on High Heels," like whatever the single is, they'll do that one thing. And then otherwise, it's like the same show for 25 years.
0: When they first came back in 2005, 2000 somewhere, 2004, 2005, man, that was a hot ticket. They looked great, they sounded great. Vince was hitting. And prior to that, I think I had only seen them. Maybe I saw them was maybe on Girls, 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 and the album uh, Theater of Pain, I think album maybe. And for my money, being a uh, loving that era music, I was. Molly Molly Crew, as much as I dug a lot of their songs, I was never really a huge fan. For me, at the top of that list was Rat.
1: Yeah. And oh, then, same here.
0: And I, as far as that mid '80s, not Van Halen. That was always a separate, different level, kind of a half a generation ahead of those guys. Even mm-hmm. though a lot of those guys came up with Van Halen, like yeah. everybody went, "Wow, Stephen Pierce is as old as Dave." <laughs> About 20 years ago, when he when everybody kind of learned that. Mickey Rat or whatever, or he knew Eddie and all that stuff, but for me, Motley Crue, I mean, I never liked the sound of those first couple records Shout Out the Devil, and I think up until, me, and this is just my own opinion, I'm sure people might get really pissed, but it's an opinion, <laughs> oh, and that is, I don't think yeah. they had a full, I don't, for my money, they did not have a full record of you know, 10 or 11 really strong songs until um, until I just completely based Dr. on the huge, Feelgood. Dr. Feelgood. Yes. Thank you.
1: I'm not going to say that that has 11 or 12 songs. If you've listened to slice of your thigh or rattlesnake shake makes my body ache. If you, yeah. Listened oh, listen, this 20, isn't two years.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're, these aren't no one. <laughs> yes. The lyrics fine. But as far as, I mean, for, I thought there was just some real kind of some forgettables forgettable songs on just about most of their records except for yes. the big ones except for dr feelgood and certainly there was a real progression in how much better they sound in the studio how much the production was um yeah. and so but for me rat came out of the box with just this big booming sound and those that twin guitar attack and then for me i was also always lamented the fact that black and blue's third record produced by gene simmons should have been massive nasty nasty which yeah. if you're curious if you if you ever thought god that song Domino sounds familiar. Go listen to the title track by Kiss. Go listen to Nasty Nasty. I I will I will go to my deathbed thinking Y&T <laughs> should have been at least half the size of Van Halen. Yeah. Just Matt So for me, Molly Crew was kind of, I I dug them. I dug, but they were never a huge. I was never like I have to see him, I have to check him out. That sort of thing. So.
1: So with John Five, you know. I think he goes into that gig. He has the gig. Come on. if <laughs> He goes into that gig going, yeah, money, exposure. This is great. This is going to be fantastic for me becoming more of a mainstream name. And I think about the 40th, 40th show, he goes, oh, the same 14 songs playing the tracks. Oh, and I... I I say that with Dave, even if you're playing the same songs over and over again, they're so complex and they have a great energy to them that you don't find in the Motley Crue catalog that I don't think it's as creatively stifling to do 40 shows with, with Dave as 40 shows with Motley Crue, but tomato, tomato.
0: I suppose. So I guess among the unanswered questions, as far as John 5 is concerned... Motley Crue, yes or no? And what other music with Dave is out there? Is there anything newer? Is the rest of the semi-acoustic record that we pre- that we so far have five tracks from, from ever going to come out? Is John ever going to talk about it? Is <laughs> he will he ever be allowed to talk about it? It's yeah. interesting because when Dave's social media is tagging the guys in the band. Uh, when they're posting this new music when they're yeah, on Instagram and stuff, which they're posting their handles, which I thought was I was a little surprised and it was kind of cool. Yes. And and then those guys post about it.
1: If if you if you look at the social media uh, of one of those musicians uh, and you looked at their Instagram stories, you would see that he then tagged Tom Sorowski who has been the engineer on and off for a couple of years for Dave in a parking lot that looked like the back parking lot of Henson.
0: So yes, now, you shot place. me that you shot me that picture. Yes.
1: Yeah. I did the Google maps comparison of like, is that... <laughs> so either Dave's band is just loitering in, in Henson studios for fun <laughs> with Tom Sarowski, or they're on another project at Henson or Dave is recording, but You know, we don't know what he's recording. Is this just for the archives? Is he recording 14 more Van Halen songs? Is it an
0: all piano record?
1: (laughs) I I can tell you, you know, in tracking those guys, I know that two of those musicians are on other tours right now. So it's not like they've been in the studio for six weeks with Dave. It's more like four days at most, five days. So... It's more of those mysteries that Dave is at Henson all the damn time. We know he's in Pasadena, but what is he doing? I don't know, but he's not retired.
0: Exactly. And also we should say he's alive. And the only reason why yeah. I say that is that there was this weird rumor. Did you see this? I always do a news search. And well. a couple of days ago, it was one of these bad websites that was, that had like some Photoshop picture of Dave in a hospital bed. I kid you not. Oh. And um, geez, I got, I got, now, now I pull up, I don't see it, but it was just very, it's just very bizarre. And it was just one you know, one of these clickbaity fake news bullshit stories. The other, the other thing I guess David Lee Roth, Van Halen, um, uh, related is that McDonald's in Missouri <laughs> where <laughs> they have the iconic Van Halen burger photo of Eddie Van Halen, David Lee Roth, tucking into a couple burgers underneath the, underneath of McDonald's golden arches in uh, Missouri <laughs> from that, the Crestwood McDonald's in St. Louis. That photo is that photo. The photographer, Richard Upper had been sent to document the young man's journeys and made the way around the country sport in the debut album. And so if you, if you, if you're a Van Allen fan, you've seen this cool picture The two guys look like they may have been the second time they've ever seen snow in that cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, but uh, but it's a cool it's a cool story. Loudwire and some other fo- folks picked up the story with the photographer, yeah. and uh, the original photographer and some local St. Louis hobbyists narrowed down the location of the McDonald's after studying the photo. Sounds like something you would do, Darren. Did you get the phone <laughs> yes. call? And looking at an old reverse phone book in the archives of a local library, the exact location of the photo before that was a mystery, as the photographer couldn't remember where it was taken. Wow. And so, yeah, it's a it's a really interesting story. Just do a search on it; you'll find it really easily. But uh, the guy, there's some quotes from from uh, from the photographer, and uh, caught it right under there. It wasn't they? Would, I got to take some pictures of you guys. He was in the limo with them, and so now that picture hangs in the newly remodeled McDonald's that recently reopened. And according to Ultimate Classic Rock, the new owner said that the original store that Van Halen and Roth snacked at was knocked down soon after Van Halen got their food there. Then that building was recently remodeled and turned into the the state-of-the-art McDonald's. Uh, It is today. State-of-the-art McDonald's, I always thought, may have been mutually exclusive (laughs) until this article. So, and Rock
1: and roll McDonald's in Chicago, you could argue, is state-of-the-art McDonald's. There's a handful of them (laughs) out there. You ever go to rock and roll McDonald's as immortalized by Wesley Willis?
0: No, no, but it sounds like I need to.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe I set the bar too high. But yeah, that was one thing and then I I play a lot of video games uh and one of the video games I play is called Rocket League. That game Epic Games, the game company, they also make Fortnite and Fall Guys, a lot of things that people much younger sure. than play. And uh one of the my wife uh was playing Rocket League and one of the teams scored a goal and Jump played. Well, um, that means Van Halen licensed Jump as a goal song to this video game. And there's not a lot of famous music that you'd know. Uh, Elon Musk's Baby Mama, uh, Grimes, has a couple of songs in this game. Uh, Hmm. Sean Paul, the reggae artist, has had a song or two. But it's, it's not like the Rolling Stones or Aerosmith, you hear that. It's just, wow, jump, okay. And it was the original Van Halen version. Sounded like a remastered thing. So if I can go on a quick soapbox rant, in the last, <laughs> in the last year, we've seen apparently jump in this video game, Rocket League. We've heard Unchained in Cobra Kai. David Lee Roth had, just like Paradise in the Netflix movie, Don't Look Up.
0: Um, That's right. I remember that.
1: Where's the legacy management touting these great usages that help Van Halen transcend to younger generations? Where where is it? (laughs) Just, Just think about that. Cobra Kai, which regularly is in the Netflix top 10, which means millions of people watch it. And I have to assume most of the people are not my age or your age watching Cobra Kai. It's a younger audience. Any other artist, like when I interviewed Desmond Child like two years ago, he was bragging about how he had a number one song because someone interpolated one of his old hits into an Ava Max song. So he was going, see, number one hits in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 20s, six decades of hits. And he was on that soapbox. If you were Van Halen, wouldn't you kind of want to do something like that where you go six decades of television and film popularity?
0: On paper, it makes sense.
1: Yes. And then one, when you ultimately do your, your like 60 years box set exclusive to Costco or BJ's Wholesale or Sam's Club. <laughs> like Right now, Judas Priest, who I saw last night, is doing their 50-year tour. And they touted it with a 41 or 42 CD box set. Now, you'd have to be a real idiot to to buy (laughs) a 40 plus CD box set. Come on, that's ridiculous. But the idea is that they're going, this is our legacy. Generations, check it out. So Judas Priest is the way it's going. They're going to be remembered more longer than Van Halen. If Van Halen keeps up this, you know, not even touting these big accomplishments.
0: Possibly, although I don't I, I think simply because of Eddie Van Halen, Van Halen could do and probably won't do anything, could do nothing, but I won't do anything. But that legend will always loom large. Plus, I got to tell you, there's been some success um, there will be more books about them. suddenly there for a band that really there wasn't too much published about the previous 20 30 years save for a couple of photography books right yeah and suddenly you know you've got you've got greg renoff's book and that other book of eddie van halen and you know there's some more things to be mined there by everyone else outside of by anyone else outside oh. of warner brothers and the van halen camp which i think will keep things in the public eye out there
1: so. well Another indirect news item here. Did you hear that Twister 2 is likely going to be happening? God,
0: please. That's the answer to the question nobody should have asked.
1: Well, uh, it's looking to be happening. And Twister arguably is what got Sammy kicked out of Van Halen.
0: Which I love that fucking song. I like Human human Being. It's a great song. I love the lyrics. And I don't say that about many of Sammy's songs.
1: I like the lyrics, I don't love the Ed, Alex instrumental so much on that soundtrack that that kind of forgotten about thing right there. But I'm wondering in revisionist Sammy history, does Sammy have a song on the Twister 2 soundtrack
0: that came to him in a dream and he's that he's giving <laughs> Eddie and Michael a co writing credit to and Alex?
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that is going to happen, that he is going to lobby to right the wrongs of, of Twister One for the Van Halen legacy after Van Halen forgets to send in the, the approval paperwork for humans being, being you know, utilized in the new movie. It, it, it was a post-it that was behind Dave's accountant's computer. So Twister Two. It sounds as
0: likely as anything else, my friend.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's it's kind of a no news is the status quo. I mean, did you read Wolfgang His finished drum tracks on his new album?
0: Saw it on Instagram. I'm excited. I love that first Mammoth record. I'm innately and very hungrily curious to know what he's going to be what he's going to be doing next. What his new music going to sound like?
1: Sure, uh, me too. And when you think about it, the Taylor Hawkins concerts were less than a month ago and it's old news and no one really tried to capitalize off of it. And I guess that's just the state of the world. The Sammy Hagar Rolling Stone articles uh, Rolling Stone article was like two, two and a half weeks ago. No one's talking about that. Uh, they're just talking about his new record a little bit. Uh, with- it's a
0: short new the news cycle is ever so short. I mean, that's why you keep that's why one thing that always keep Van Halen out there was is is that somebody will always put something together to put something out to at least try to make a little mini ripple of the news uh, cycle. Case in point, Ultimate Classic Rock a couple days ago when David Lee Roth wouldn't let Van Halen quit. I went, ooh, what the hell is this? And it's an article that's basically cobbled together. Did you see this? It's yeah. an article that's basically put together from quotes of when Gene Simmons uh, paid for their demo tape. And uh, you know flew flew him out to New York and it's got some quotes from that it's got a couple quotes it's got a quote or two. it cobbled together this a, a good you know basically a story but put together from different quotes quotes from Greg Runoff's book Van Halen Rising basically telling the story where you know Dave wasn't sure if he was if he if he blew it and that uh, that he basically he said you know that he feared he let his bandmates down and and uh, and that basically you know, and they, they, the end of, close to the end of the story, it's, I'm going off. It's, 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 it's an interesting story, but again, it's, it's, there's no Van Halen news. This isn't new news. This is all stuff from other, do you know what I'm saying? Why it came out on October 15th? Well, we're talking about it. It did its job. You know, it's an interesting story. So.
1: I, if I can guess here again, playing amateur music industry psychologist, A lot of these websites do give their writers quotas, like, hey, you have to publish X number of things per month, and you have to get X number of average clicks per month on each new thing. That happened to me when I wrote for Inquisitor for a while, uh, Guilty Eats, which was a fan-sided food-oriented thing, and... I quickly derailed that into how can I ask my favorite musicians about their food? That way I have an excuse (laughs) to interview my favorite musicians and they would go, what's the unique visitors monthly? Oh yeah. Tommy Lee will talk to you for that site. Wow. Really? Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, Well, I think going back to the site, if you don't deliver X number of clicks, whatever. And I think they have a mathematical formula. Well, if it's a Van Halen article that goes up on a Tuesday, uh, we can expect three thousand clicks by this time.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's a, it's actually a cool story giving Dave a whole lot of credit about how he was maybe the biggest motivating factor to for them to keep going and and just he was really just, you know, quite the motivating force in keeping those guys' spirits up after things didn't work out for that moment. So with Gene. So it's an interesting
1: well, story. You said a magical name before, Greg Renoff. Did you hear his podcast? He was on Eric Senich's podcast, I think, about like a week, week and a half ago, and it was fantastic. I
0: need to. It's in my Play It Later queue in my Player FM app. I got it. I, it's downloaded, waiting to go. I, yeah. So, hopefully, I'm gonna check it out in a day or two. I've been. I, I, Shame on me for not checking out because I've seen some quotes and I've heard some things about that's super informative. It's super great, as I would expect it to be with both Greg and Eric talking about Van Halen.
1: Yeah. So if we're not going to get new official stuff from Van Halen, at least we can get the experts talking about what might be happening and what's to be expected. And what I enjoyed about that interview was the TED talk, not not, uh, TED talks like the convention stuff. Ted Templeman uh, conversational talk that Greg is privy to. And Greg has a great story about a call that he got from Sammy from an airplane. I'm not going to spoil that one. It was a good quick story in there, but yeah, I, I think, I think we're kind of tapped out. Um, if when, when it comes to time, the next uh, tape, the next episode, maybe you'll have to be a show review or something or a watch along or your inevitable fantasy Roth. Oh, I was
0: just going to say, we got to We, (laughs) we, we have to do the watch along, but let's, let's give each other some homework assignments here. Put together your, if Dave was to go into the studio now, yeah, which would be a dream and all new music, who would you want? Who would you want a core band? Who would you want a core band to be? Oh, with the caveat that you can't, with the caveat that it can't be the Edem and Smile band.
1: Obviously it's Francis Valentino on drums, Ryan Wheeler on bass and Strada on guitar. That is the all time best David Lee Roth fan I've ever heard. And everyone's going to agree with me on that one. We don't need to do the episode officially. <laughs> all right. Save it for the air. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll aim to do that one next week. As a part of
0: the, These are the things I space out and think about more than any guy in his mid fifties probably should. But these are the things I think about. I'm like, I'll hear now by somebody I'll be like, or I'll find out somebody else is doing something or I'll be like, fuck, that makes so much sense. Why isn't Dave Dave? Why wouldn't Dave work with that guy? Which brings to mind, and this will be the conversation for next time is that outside after Vi and Sheehan and while well, Jason Becker, he, and during that time, but after that time, but he could have worked with anybody. Yeah. But he worked with mostly no knock on these guys, nobody most people heard of.
1: Well, in doing a lot of my research over the last Was couple- it
0: money? Was it artistic stuff? Was it just wanting to be in control of it all? I mean, think of it. Think of the guitar aces he could have. I mean, it could've been like an it could be like an Aussie thing where you get these amazing players on. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, but and, you get a couple, and you get a couple guest stars on something. What I'm, besides I'm, Travis Tritt.
1: I think he tried out every single person. So I remember on the Chuck Shoot podcast, he had on Blue Saracino And Blue Saracino, who later played with Poison, told his David Lee Roth audition story.
0: I remember that, yeah.
1: And when I interviewed Brad Talinski from all the guitar publications. Guitar World, yeah. Yeah, and he co-wrote the great Eddie book. Uh, that came out maybe six months ago, nine months ago. He's saying Dave called him up and he recommended Eric Gale. Uh, is it Gale or Gales?
0: Eric Gales. Oh, the that guy, he is a monster blues player, blues rock player. Oh, that he's him and listen to the stuff he's done with Joe Bonamassa. It'll blow your mind.
1: Yeah, I so I interviewed Eric Gales. I couldn't remember his name and I forgot to to <laughs> I forgot his name right there. But Brad. Referred Eric Gales and Dave's like, oh, okay, I'll think about it. And that was in the early '90s. And there's this one guy who works on all these Joe Bonamassa projects. I think his name is Josh Smith. He's a hell of a lead guitar player, but he's also a producer. He's also worked with Andy Timmons. He was asked to be in Dave's band, and he turned it down. So I think it's an issue of everyone's just super quiet, but they auditioned or. Were thinking about it at one point in time, like this Vegas band. Supposedly, he did come back to Brian Young and go, "What's your availability?" And Brian couldn't do it for the twenty nineteen, uh, for the early twenty twenty one. So, hmm. it, it, a lot of it harkens back to who's under non disclosures.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, going to say that.
1: Like, I wanted to interview Todd Jensen, who played with Dave and then was later like a tour manager. Todd is now in Journey. Todd can't talk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, I saw him play, he was in a, with a little a enough.
1: Yeah. And he
0: was, I, he was, he on the record? I don't think, he, but he played on the tour.
1: He played on the tour. I don't think he played on, I think the record was handled by Matt Bissonette, And then he,
0: yeah, did. sorry. Of course. How do I not know that Greg and Matt are the rhythm section on that? Yes.
1: But not on the tour, on the tour, Matt was already out of the band. I confirmed that with him when I emailed with Matt, I, I bothered him. I'm like, I'm sorry, just a few more Dave questions. And Matt is <laughs> just the nicest guy, and he entertains me. seems like people. it. But something I thought about, around the time that I first interviewed Matt and Greg, which we put up played on this podcast, they were kind of promoting an EP they put out as The Redcoats.
0: It was right, a cool right.
1: fusion E project. It had some pop moments to it. And, I remember that. Yeah, I remember listening to it a couple of times. And his publicist, who's a great, great lady, said something to me like, yeah, he can't really talk about the Dave stuff due to NDA stuff. And I thought about it, and I realized what that's about, because he would talk and he does do interviews, is that Greg played on the John 5 sessions. Meaning, really? by coming back into the fold... Greg Bissont got n d eight. Wow, yeah, so so the infinite spider web of David Lee Roth non-disclosures, <laughs> uh, that's that's why I think we don't know some of the people that almost played with him.
0: Got it. All right. Well, one quick editorial correction. Remember I said there was stuff on the web about Dave dying? It's actually on YouTube. I did a quick YouTube search. Oh. Well, and so, and if you if you filter by things released the last month, you got David Lee Roth, You Really Got Me, Studio Live, 23,000 views six days ago. Dance the Night Away, David Lee Roth, Studio Live, three weeks ago, 60,000 views. Then some YouTube channel called Celebrity Underscore Hub, sad news. Rock singer David Lee Roth passed away, expected soon. Family prepared to say goodbye with this god-awful screenshot. Uh, thumbnail, and then underneath that, reality behind David Lee Roth death: Is David Lee Roth still alive? David Lee Roth passed away. Keywords, you know, I mean, get the search SEO correct there, right? With a bad thumbnail of Dave from uh, the MTV Awards, and then celeb incident: Brock David Lee Roth found dead in hospital two years after the death of Fred Eddie friend Eddie Van Halen two weeks ago. So all clickbaity stuff, that, and that's on a website called Celeb Incident. Go figure.
1: Absolutely horrible. The the polar opposite of it, I was watching a comedy video with the comedian Fluffy Gabriel Iglesias today. Oh, sure, yeah. He did a, it's, I love this comedian Frankie Quinonez. Uh, okay. He's got this character named Creeper, and he's kind of a stereotypical cholo, but he's leading like exercise classes, and I'm not even going to do the accent. It's like Cheech Marin times 20, and it's great. And, uh Fluffy's wearing a Van Halen, I think nineteen eighty shirt in this video. So he's a fan. And then I, I taped an interview. Oh, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say you just reminded me not to I mean probably the same nationality, but George Lopez was a huge Van Halen fan.
1: And good friend of Eddie's, supposedly and good,
0: I was, and good friend of Eddie's, yeah.
1: Supposedly he's who told uh Sammy to call Eddie and I think it was the bond was golf, George Lopez and Eddie.
0: Yes, they were. Go- yes, that's correct.
1: And who was I think George Lopez golfed a lot with Johnny Gill. I remember interviewing Johnny Gill. And
0: oh, who hasn't? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have no
1: idea. <laughs> I like Johnny Gill. And he's a guitar player. People don't really, really realize. And I think George Lopez is one of his guys. So then you go, wait, Eddie Van Halen was hanging out with Johnny Gill. <laughs> I don't I don't know. But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I interviewed the Food Network chef, big restaurateur and author, Michael Simon, S-Y-M-O-N. And he, I could tell he was a rock guy. So he said something about Sammy Hagar. And I interrupted. And I said, are you annoyed that I'm writing a book very slowly about David Lee Roth and not Sammy Hagar? And he goes, oh, Sammy's my friend. But. Dave, and he started talking about how great Dave was. And then he turns out to be his number one and number two, I think, are Van Halen and Cheap Trick. I want to meet this guy. (laughs) I know. Hell of a chef restaurateur. So what I'm getting at is there's all these fans, a lot of celebrity fans out there of Van Halen, and you just have to kind of fight it to figure out who they are. And I have a feeling that, we haven't heard 10% of all the good stories out there yet. Uh, When John Taffer from bar rescue opens up and tells his stories about running the troubadour, we're going to get good stuff.
0: Until that day,
1: (laughs) until that day. Uh, Do do we say that the podcast ends when the John five album comes out or when John Taffer tells the the stories,
0: man, I don't know. Maybe we just have a very special 100th episode and, then do very, you know, maybe the occasional breaking news one. I don't know. I don't, I don't worry know. about the I don't worry about the sausage being made. We got lots of good stuff to talk about still. But we haven't even delved. We haven't really even taken deep dives in the albums, which I want to do. I mean, uh, we started this. We started this because we always felt Dave's solo stuff hasn't really gotten its due. Unfortunately, right. it hasn't done any solo stuff. But I mean, those are still records I go back to and listen to on the regular. Right. I might pull okay. out the Diamond Dave record just to hear Shadoobie Bop or whatever the fuck it's called right after this podcast.
1: <laughs> or Shad- Thug Pop, the John song,
0: John- Which is <laughs> clearly that's from the DLR band sessions. But why that got shoehorned, it just sounds so out of place on that record.
1: On I don't think it's Dave from the record. DLR band sessions. Uh, if you look at the. Well, bottom- you
0: know it Actually, you might be right. That does, it definitely does sound a little bit more produced, a little bit different compared to what's on the DLR band stuff.
1: The only reason I'm going there is because I read in the last month or so John Fives' bio on his website because I was curious to see what credits he was touting and which ones he wasn't. And there was the thing, he said something like, and he reunited with his friend David Lee Roth for the song Thug Pop, which came out on this album. Now, I don't think that means he recorded in 2003. I think maybe he recorded it like two years after the Diamond Dave album. I I mean, after the DLR band album. Like, he went on tour with Manson. He was off the road for a month or two. Hey, what are you doing, John? Come over here. We'll do some music. And that was that. Because the Diamond Dave album, as we know, Ice Cream Man was recorded in the 90s. That was a quarter of a million song. So it's (laughs) the most expensive cover song ever. (laughs) That makes no sense. Like, Omar (laughs) Aqib goes... I want 40 grand for this day. No. <laughs> Plus, no. Don't brag about that. Dude, you spent what on a fucking
0: cover tune? That cost I heard... more than it. A... Here's the funny thing. That cost, I bet you, that cost more in 1995 or whatever it was to do one cover version of Ice Cream Man than it did to record all of Van Halen 1.
1: <laughs> oh, I. You know, I've heard some blank check stories of artists like a friend of a friend told me a story that Derek Trucks had like Allman Brothers band obligations and Eric Clapton wanted him and his band. And Eric's like, hey, Derek, come out with me. That's exactly how uh, Eric Clapton talks. Do you like my impression? Hey, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what he sounds like. And, uh, hey, you should come on the road. And Derek goes, sorry, I got the Allman Brothers and. Eric Clapton supposedly goes, "Would a million dollars fix that?" And he gave him a million dollars to do that. Oh, yes, it would. And I've heard it. I've heard of John Mayer for that. When he used to do the the John Mayer trio thing with Pino Palladino and Steve Jordan, somebody reliable told me that he just gave blank checks to Pino and Steve. Went fill in what you think is right for this tour. And I don't know what the numbers filled in. But I can't imagine that Dave Lee Roth goes, I'm, I want you to play an ice cream man. And here's a blank check. No. Okay. So so if you were doing a day rate in 1994, 1995, whatever it is, and you got paid handsomely as a session player that wasn't a rock star, you got like three grand. (laughs) You didn't get 15 grand. So I kind of go, okay. Three grand, three grand, three grand. Okay, so maybe that was 20 grand right there. Okay, the studio probably cost $2,500 a day. Okay, so that's maybe it's a three-day session. Okay, we got like 20 grand there. Maybe you had to pay the engineer 1500 bucks a day overpaying them. Okay, Dave, that's five grand. We're still not at $100,000. That 250 grand number... And then that, did you ever hear that Dave thing where you said that he once paid 22 grand for a bass drum? No. Yeah, that was in one of those Vegas promotional videos, you know, like, I don't care about spending money. I once spent 22 grand on a bass drum and I hated it. You know, I think he just likes to make up numbers.
0: There's, there's, are you saying there's some hyperbole <laughs> over some of what Dave says?
1: Uh, I can't think of what, oh, it was Job on Arrested Development. Uh, they, they play like these three or four stories in a row where he goes like, and I paid $1,300 for the suit and I, and then they cut the next thing. So I say to the guy, this is my $1,700 suit. And then the next thing, so my $2,400 suit over here, like he keeps inflating the number. I'm wondering if that bass drum was originally like two grand and then he inflated it based on currency doubling every six years. Hmm. Okay, sidebar. Apologies. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to think here. Yeah, yeah. My head is spinning at this point. It's getting late. I can't figure that
1: stuff it's out. It's getting late, but thanks.
0: No to- one said there'd be no one said there'd be, there'd be math involved.
1: Thanks to anybody who can make it this long to inane David Lee Roth conversation and uh, you know, thanks for your support.
0: Hey, and let's remind folks that people can find you at the Paltrocast on youtube where you've been uh, posting up some cool content some cool interviews somebody went to go see judas priest the other night
1: oh yeah yeah i saw the priest filmed a little bit of it from the photo pit um rob halford's no david lee roth but uh hey it'll do
0: he's is he, he's still getting it done
1: uh, i don't know okay i
0: will leave it at that folks
1: <laughs> i don't know there might be some uh, vocal effect trickery happening, but the, even if that's the case, man, those guitars revitalize that band. The visuals look great. They sound tight. They sound better than they have in a long, long time in Judas Priest. So, see him for that reason. Good and recommendation. you saw Butch Walker, one of the best shows you've seen?
0: I, Butch Walker is one of those guys, along with, of course, Dave and and uh cheap trick but butch walker is one of those guys not a surf is another one where several years ago i was so blown i love their music but i was so blown away where there's only a few bands where i'll say i will not miss a gig if they're coming when i'm in town and actually now that i think of it i saw him in 2016 i think i was away 2018 but i was like there's no way i'm missing this gig and he plays the same theater here in minneapolis and it's one of these things i turn to my friend i'm like you know what sucks this guy has got so much talent. He's co-written hits and produced hits for so many yeah. people. His solo music's amazing. His show is amazing. I gives it all. He jumps into the crowd. He's a multi-instrumentalist, singer, songwriter. His band is top-notch. And it dawned on us, we were like, shit, he's playing the same place he was playing five years ago, seven years ago. This guy should be so much bigger. So, but yeah, I saw saw him and uh, um, it's really...
1: Aaron Lee Tashin.
0: Yeah. Aaron Lee Tashin's in the band. That guy can play. He's, he was the opening act as well. And he's in Butch's band. So good stuff. I highly recommend, highly recommend seeing Butch's show if you haven't.
1: Nothing but yeah. Well, Steve, have a good time all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I believe have, is that, is that Joe Mama Besser from Spinal Tap or is that Stumpy Pete or have a good time all the time. I think that's the guy in the bathtub. Right? Yes. I think it's,
1: it's yeah. Joe. <laughs> awesome.
0: Actually, on another sidebar here, um, I know we both love uh, Gilbert God, the late Gilbert Gottfried's colossal yes. podcast, where he get where him and this comedy writer Frank Santo Padre. Yeah. Sometimes Gilbert will just check out for moments on and just complete non sequiturs and want to, and, you know, want to ask some god awful question about some celebrity or something. But the so they've been since Gilbert's death, they've been putting out the older episodes and they were doing they had think they have like 400 can. Well, they have Michael McKean on the one that just dropped this week from like yeah. 2016. And he talked about Smile Tap and all the drummers names were homage to the
1: Three Stooges. I'm a bass yeah, Joe Basser, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Stumpy
0: Pete, St- I was. Are we getting that right? Was Stumpy Pete a drummer? There was there was an ongoing thing in there where they were where they were um, named after the drummers. So
1: wow, I need to go back.
0: Named after named after three studios. I'd have to. I'm, I could be messing up what Michael Bikian said, but the God the Gilbert Godfrey podcast with Michael Bikian is just hilarious, flat out funny.
1: Hmm. I got some so. homework to do, so thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go
0: yeah and i gotta go i you just reminded me i gotta listen to uh our pal eric's booked on rock podcast with uh with greg Ranoff. that's in my queue
1: cool go do that i'll go cry or something and then uh we will talk to you all and listen to uh more dave uh, i got nothing there thank you all right
0: we're done we're out <laughs>